Hello and welcome. I'm Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Well, every October, as Breast Cancer Awareness Month gets here, the good news is that people know much more about breast cancer, but we still have some bad news, and that's that breast cancer has not been eliminated, so we need to keep forging ahead and talking about it until this disease is really gone. We welcome back to the show Coleman Puget Sound Executive Director David Richard, and he is here with patient advocate for metastatic breast cancer, Terry Palastro. David and Terry, welcome. Thanks for being here this morning. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for having us. Uh, Coleman Puget Sound, you have been in here before, but is it 25 years now raising money to for breast cancer programs and to fund scientific research, David? Yeah, 20, 27, I 27 think. 27 years? Yeah, right. Uh, Crazy. A lot of money's been raised, but like I said, we got to still keep going, right? That's right. Breast cancer, the incidence of it is... One in eight. That yeah. hasn't changed. I know. I, it's crazy. And the number of women every year that are dying from breast cancer, still the same, 40,000. So, yes, we still are needing to do work, and there are still families and women that don't have access to care, and there's still so much work to do in the research side, especially around metastatic research. Yeah, and, and what Coleman does, you guys aren't the doctors, but no. you raise money and give it to the doctors, right? That's or right. some doctors, as well as patients that are going through cancer, right? Yeah, so for us um, as an organization, this year we just announced that we hit the $1 billion nope. level. Wow. Now that's cumulative over the years, right? Not in one year, but over 37 years that we've been in existence. So that's really exciting to be able to have, you know, be the only organization that's funded just below the NIH when it comes to breast cancer research. So, um, and as Terry will talk about in a minute, um, a, 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 port, a large portion of that, 70%, I think, goes to metastatic research, th at least this year. This not, year. Not yes. overall, but oh, this year alone. So yeah. we've really laser-focused our research investment portfolio in targeting um, breast cancers that kill. So that's the, the, that's the target now. So all of those dollars and all of those, those numbers of people, I mean, um, things are somewhat getting, I mean, are people getting screened more? The, the awareness, October, breast cancer awareness. We see pink all around. People do talk about it. They didn't used to talk about, say, the words breast cancer out loud. Right. right. right? Um, but now they don't, you know, it's still metastatic breast cancer. And people don't realize that you die from metastatic or stage four breast cancer. A lot of people think the disease has been cured and it hasn't. And there are those of us who are kind of hiding in the shadows. And we're not in that rah-rah survivor group. We're the group that stays in treatment the rest of our lives, hopefully some of us longer than others. It'd be great if we could all live as long as like I have. Well, now I, I still got to then, Terry, ask you for some basics then. Um, on the defining metastatic breast cancer, it's a yes. word people, I guess I think I know that. It's kind of a long word. It, yes. It is basically... It's, a, it's stage four, it, so it means that the cancer has left the breast and gone to another organ. And I remember when I got diagnosed with metastatic or stage four disease and it was in my liver, I was like, well, wait a minute. How can that be breast cancer? Isn't that liver cancer? And I also thought, oh, well... If I have one breast left, shouldn't it go in my other breast first before it goes to an outside organ, you know, or another organ? And that isn't what always happens. And that's the tricky part for right. people to understand. We're raising awareness with that, too. To the doctor, I mean, how for a long time was this misdiagnosed again and not realized, oh, this is part of the same breast cancer? I mean, 
has the science and the, the funding that Coleman has done for research helped narrow that down and figure this out? I think that um, as the science gets better, the research gets better, we're better at detecting metastasis or stage four cancer. I don't think that that's always been the case. And so for someone like me who had early stage disease and they're like, oh, you're cured, you're cured, you're cured. My husband and I call this the C word now, cured, uh-huh. <laughs> because I wasn't cured. And four years later, my breast cancer came back to my liver and I was told I had about 18 months to live. But that was in 2003. God Here bless you. Your, your yes, life. it's been 16 years. So, But I'm one of the lucky ones. This is not the norm for women who have metastatic breast cancer. I believe it's two to three years is the average mm-hmm. lifespan once you've been yeah. diagnosed with um, metastatic or stage four disease where it's gone outside the breast, which is usually liver, bone, brain, and lung. Those are the places breast cancer likes to go. So they're narrowing down. So the research is showing us some things. They're figuring out some things. Has they? Is there a uh, higher risk woman uh, for metastatic breast cancer, or is they haven't figured that out, or is that well? The higher your shot? stages when you're an early stage patient, I think that your um, percentage chance of getting or of becoming stage four are higher. But I was like stage zero, stage one. So you know, even for those of us like us. I just think it's good for everyone to be mindful of their own health. And if something doesn't feel right, say it. And for the community doctors, if a patient comes in, an early stage patient, and says, you know, I've had this hip pain for six months, maybe it's time to look at that instead of, we call it missed and dismissed. I'm not saying that's normal. I'm just saying that that can happen. And so what are those questions? Is that the basic question you should always ask your doctor? But how about to yourself? I mean, a lot of people try and ignore their own symptoms. Am I right? Which I I did. I mean, I lost a lot of weight. um, And I mean, I was already thin to begin with, but I had young kids and I was running around. So I just dismissed it. But I I remember thinking, did I eat today? And that's so unlike me because I love to eat. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I just... You know, uh, it's because the tumor was so big in my liver that it was pushing against my stomach. And uh, it, so that's why I wasn't hungry. The other thing was I was super tired. Again, I was a young mom with kids. I was working. I had a full life. Who isn't uh, tired? Right. Yeah. So, you know, some of your symptoms are so subtle. Right. Um, and by the time I went to my second opinion oncologist, who I decided to go back to, she ran a test and figured out that I had the stage four. It had gone to my liver. Well, so now let me, you roll some, you wear a lot of hats for Coleman, right? Uh, You're a patient advocate for metastatic breast cancer patients, right? Yes. So what are the kind of things you can tell them to stay on this? And and, I mean, what's that role, I guess? Let me start basic. What is that role for a patient advocate? I'm an independent. So I do a lot for um, several organizations. So I work with Komen with their metastatic program. I'm one of the two co-chairs for the Metastatic Breast Cancer, Northwest Metastatic Breast Cancer Conference, which we just held here and is available for viewing still on the uh, Komen Puget Sound website. So that's one thing. I do a lot of work with Seattle Cancer Care Alliance. I've met with patients both early stage, um, so they've just been diagnosed or with late stage patients, depending on what they need. And then nationally, um, I'm involved in um, the 
Komen program at their headquarters that has brought a big, diverse, not big, but a diverse population of metastatic patients together, and we're helping them determine where the gaps are, and Komen's really interested in meeting those. And so... What is a patient advocate then? The most basic question, if I, if, if I say, oh, my mom is a breast cancer patient and she needs an advocate, why? Okay, a couple things. One is maybe she needs understanding and learning about her health. What's going on? What's next? What do I do for appointments? I mean, it could be as simple as that. When I would go into Seattle Cancer Care Alliance, I would meet with the patients to say, okay, bring a notebook when you come. Make sure you have a person with you because, you know, you hear the word cancer and your mind stops. So you need like two people in that room. Make sure you write down your questions in advance if you have them. Those are some very basic things that any breast cancer or any cancer patient could use. And that's what advocacy is. I'm involved in research advocacy. So um, there's about 20 comprehensive cancer centers throughout the country. University of Washington is one of them. So I represent the University of Washington where we meet twice a year down in um, Texas. We never leave the airport and there's 20 cancer centers and all we do is talk about breast cancer and talk about trials that we can have. And then the advocates are there going, yeah, no, that's not gonna work. Or yeah, that's a great idea, let's do that. And that's how we wow. do that. So well, that's another role I have. Isn't that exciting? That is. Um, mm -hmm. So David, the, this uh, annual conference, it's mm -hmm. Northwest, uh, metastatic, Northwest Metastatic, metastatic Breast Cancer, Breast Cancer Conference. Conference. Mm -hmm. Yes. Coleman has been uh, running this a couple of years in a row. We, yes. You just wrapped this up. Yep. Yes. This is a, an important, I don't know, uh, <laughs> meeting of the minds or something. Does the research come together and people who want to do more research? Who comes to this and what, what do we get out of this? Well, for us, it's based on Terry and the rest of the committee's kind of feedback. And we, we change it a little bit every year. This year, we focused on exactly what Terry was just talking about, which is what are the research trials and what trials as patients should you know about? And because I think what happens out there in the world is that women who are di diagnosed with METs don't really know what's available to them. And sometimes right. they're not, I don't think, intentionally kept in the dark, but they feel in the dark about what's coming down the pike, what trial, what 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 hope there might be for them as patients. And because each kind of METS is a little different, sometimes it goes in the bone, sometimes it goes, like in Terry's case, in the liver, and other times it's in the brain, or maybe it goes... Um, very well, lobular, right? Yeah, lobular yeah, breast cancer. Exactly. That's a sneaky one, and it hides, and it goes into other areas of the body where they aren't usually looking for it, and it's really hard to diagnose. So we bring specialists in each one of those sort of sub-areas right. to the conference, and then women that have that particular kind can go and listen to researchers and physicians talk about their particular um, type of breast cancer, yep. METS breast cancer. So it's not just for the medicos. Right. No, real it's, patients it's for patients. For patients. It is for patients, and it's about patients and what patients need. And I just have to say this. Um, Beth Caldwell, who started this conference along with Linda Weatherby, I mean, she lost her life, and she was fighting for this all the time. She was a young mom with young children. And I think that's what's so sad about this disease is, it, you know, it's still, it, it isn't just about being young, but, you know, you want to have a full life. And, and be able to raise your family. And she lost um, she lost her life to this disease. And so we run this conference always thinking about her and 
the fact that Coleman helped that start, that conference start. Yeah. Well, and I, I think the other piece is you said something that was so important, which is that you're essentially an outlier. You have this blessing of still being yes. here after all these years. But why? Why do you think that is? Because I think I know a little bit about your story, but I think I'd love for you to say it on the air. Well, I think there's a couple things. One is I think I was I was lucky. Okay. Some of it is I think it is where the marbles fall. I'm a, I'm a true believer in that because I see people that have my same disease type in in haven't been able to survive this long. Okay. Second, as I think I was proactive, and I think that I really pushed for looking at everything that was available to me. I've been involved in a clinical trial here at the University of Washington for a vaccine. It was phase one trial with Dr. Nora Desis. I was number three in the world to get that. Did that cure me? Or I don't want to say cure. I shouldn't use that word. Don't use the C word. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Is that what has kept me alive this long? Because I'm still in active treatment every three weeks. So I don't want to paint this, you know, Cheery perfect picture, yeah, picture right, right. for me. I, I go up there every three weeks. I have a port. I get an infusion. You know, it is what it is. But I, I think that everything I did maybe gave me a little bit to push me out. That's all I kept saying. I was never looking for a cure. I was always thinking, just push me out, push me out until another drug becomes available. And so that's one of the things that I did. And then I got on the Internet and I lurked because back then there wasn't a lot going on. Yeah. And I found this doctor um, who was doing this brand new treatment with shape beam radiation. Today, that's standard of care. But back then it wasn't. So those are some of the things that I've done. I don't know what else. Well, you I want just to was going to say that um, that Coleman in the last couple of years has funded Nora's research around breast cancer vaccines to the tune of six hundred thousand dollars for the last couple of years because that work is so important. And you're like a living example of yes. what the possibilities are, right? We don't. Yes. That isn't standard, like you said, across the board. But certainly, her work. If we can save one life, right? Yeah, That's right. what it's all about for us. That's so important to point out. I mean, that Coleman <laughs> funds research. Yes. Research it really works. A clinical trial, and it's not just a trial and some notes on a paper. It's a person, and here yes. you're just sitting, sitting right here, microphone. right with us. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, how does Coleman raise all that money? Let's go over that. I mean, it's pretty yeah. basic, but people. Oh, that's right. I do. It's not just we do see pink but you guys do more than pink well right? we do a walk in the fall in the sorry in the spring so we had a, a walk at seward park june in june and we're gonna have another one june 7th of 2020 but before we get there we um have lunch for the cure in tacoma at the hotel murano on the um october 10th so, so that again lunch for the cure lunch for the cure it's in at tacoma the hotel this year yeah tacoma at the hotel murano it's at 11 30 um, and so that's a big fundraising event for us. Um, I think it's the next day that's Metastatic Breast Cancer Awareness Day. I think it's the 11th or it's is it the, the 12th? 13th. The 13th. Mm -hmm. So October in the same 13th. month, three days later, we have Metastatic Breast Cancer Awareness Day. So we really want to focus on that. That's not a fundraiser, but it's certainly part of our um, portfolio of things that we want the community to know that we're talking about and doing, right? Um, and then we, ra we do a lot of fundraising um, at the end of the year, like most nonprofits, end of the year giving, mm -hmm. um, folks can get a tax write-off. And so we encourage people to do that. We have a big gala in the spring. Um, this year, it's um, Saturday, March 7th at the W Hotel. Um, so we have a, a, a variety of ways that people can give. People can give monthly. But the, the bottom line is that 
they need to know that those dollars are going to things like research, but also to fund women who don't have access to care, right? So if you need money to have a, some women, this is terrible, but it's true. Some women don't, and they have to make choices about whether to feed their kids or pay for their treatment. Mm. And so we set up a patient assistance fund that helps them to have access to monies that they can spend however they want, whether it's for rent or heat or medicine or gasoline or daycare or whatever, because that's what, it's true. It's not um, well, like talked Tara about said, a lot. Like you hear in the diagnosis, you hear cancer, and you just freeze up. Yes. It changes your whole life. It and does. So if you have to think so much about my treatment, my treatment, then I either give up what right. I pay for rent, I move to a smaller place, my kids can't have soccer practice, or whatever right. is going on. So what do you call it? A patient assistance, assistance fund that Coleman yep. hands out money. This is right. real life to real people, right? Right. And, you know, I've facilitated metastatic breast cancer calls um, throughout the country where women can call in and we all, you know, share our stories and so so forth. And I actually had a woman tell me, I cannot afford my medicine, so I have to choose between that and my rent. And that's when I really learned this whole financial toxicity Mm -hmm. piece that's becoming more and more evident in our society today, people are really struggling with the cost of care versus being able to live. So especially if you're metastatic, right? Because you're in care for the rest of your life. Yes. Financial toxicity. Yes. Yes. It is toxic like it is a poison. Wow. We are talking this morning with Coleman Puget Sound. We have Executive Director David Richard and Terry Palastro. She's a patient advocate for metastatic breast cancer patients. She's a metastatic breast cancer patient herself. She I don't know, you said several, like seven or eight other things with Seattle okay. Cancer Care. It's, it's only a half-hour show, Terry, yeah. so we're going to get... Uh, um, yeah, so let's talk about a few other things. Um, screening, I mean, some people still can't afford a screening. Coleman sponsors and has, is it a big, it's like a van, Ernest, like a bus or a trailer, tractor trailer, isn't it? There's like, we fund about nine of them going all up and down the the sort of I-5 corridor, right? So they're through a variety of sources, but that's probably the top thing that we funded when you look at the dollars over the years. Every once in a while, I'll see something like that in a Safeway parking lot. Yep. And that's just what Coleman can do. They can help sponsor that and fund that Well, because some women like we've just been saying, cannot afford that with Correct. regular insurance. So we provide it for free. And- right, right. But we also, part of it is w- those vans also come to places like Mac- Microsoft and Amazon because there are women who are so busy, executives, that they can't get to the doctor. And so, you know, they do private um, screenings as well. The whole bottom line is that I think for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, it's about women realizing that they need to take a moment and take care of themselves because they're so busy all the time taking care of everybody else that they forget and they don't get their screening or they get it late and then they find a diagnosis or they get a later diagnosis because they didn't get screened early enough. So that's one of Coleman's also um, big platforms, if you will, is to get and talk about um, women getting screened and getting, and if there's men listening, to get them to talk to their wives, mothers, girlfriends, daughters, to get their screenings done every year. And October is a perfect time to do that. And men get breast cancer, too. And the, men get breast cancer, is, too, It's Derry. like one in 20? Or it's, I can't remember I that I don't number. know that yeah. statistic. Okay. We're not sorry. Doctor, we don't have the statistic. <laughs> it's one in eight for women. So okay. well, I didn't know what it was for men. Yeah, I don't either. Here's a good opportunity to throw out 
the website. Yes, the there internet you go. is a great resource. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> ComanPS.org. I don't know. We said that yet today, right? ComanPS.org. Coleman yep. Puget Sound. And on there, the events we were talking about, the right. luncheon is people can sign up for that, right? Right. And, and all the li- we can they can go to our Facebook page through our website and get download all the stuff from the Mets conference. Well, that's what I was going to ask. There's links there to watch the right. s- some of those speeches and talks at the conference, right? Correct. Right. Right. I think I also want to talk about the underserved communities. Um, I was at an event last year and I'd never heard this term either. And it was called a healthcare desert. Oh, I get and what you there's mean. There's just I... nothing there for people. And so some women are diagnosed and men, they're diagnosed with stage four cancer, because breast cancer. Because they never got a screening in time. Yes. And possibly screening, um, but sometimes it, it's just... Just aggressive cancer. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. It isn't always about the screening, but that's a big part. Yeah. Yes. It's just really sad. And so they had a mammogram truck there that was doing mammograms. And I just was so happy to see um, that this van was there. And I just couldn't get over how appreciative the people were that we were there to help. I, I It just... It just made me feel really, really uh, happy to help and sad for them. A healthcare desert. So mm-hmm. some communities, there's no access. Right. No access. And Coleman can fill that gap, again, raising money and distributing it. So, so that's one of the taking care of people things yes. that Coleman's spend their yeah. money on on a couple of different segments of, of breast cancer, right? Yep. yep. Yeah, go yep. for that again. Yep. So research, we so talked about research. some of that that's done, and that's right. really Cool. Really and, and important, the, especially yes. if you throw the word vaccine in there, and that this has got a <laughs> right? what a potential, huh? right? Yeah, and I think the uh, so you have the research, you have the um, financial assistance yeah. program, and yeah. that's by the way that's run through a nonprofit called Cancer Lifeline, and it's the Coleman Patient Assistance Fund that funds the breast cancer piece to that. Right, Cancer Lifeline does also does support groups. They're a fantastic organization and a partner of Coleman Puget Sound. So that's where you would go for the financial assistance. You can do all this through our website, but. I'm just saying that if people want to know how directly to access this, that's the place to go. Um, and then for the the free mammograms, um, basically you go uh, onto the Coleman website and then you connect with a community health worker or a health advocate or a, um, a community health worker and they can find out when the next screening is. And we also post those on our website about where we're doing free mobile mammography because yes, it's true that we have lots of health care in the Puget Sound, but it's concentrated basically in the metropolitan area. Right. If you drive out into the communities, it gets rural, rural, really quick. That's and right. that's where right. it's harder to access care, right? Right. Absolutely. And I wasn't very far outside of the Seattle city limits when I was in the area that they referred to as a healthcare okay. desert. Um, I also want to put a little plug in for next year at our conference. We're trying to get a bus to go over to Eastern Washington. Um, we're going to work with some community health workers there to bring over some women with their children we're, and um, be able to have them attend the conference. They will have daycare right there. They'll be able to stay in a hotel with their children so that they can attend. And we also um, offer our conference, uh, we have translators and we have Spanish-speaking um, uh Translation device. Segments. Yeah. We also yeah. have segments of oh, our right. day. Right. Breakout sessions, excuse me. Yeah. Breakout sessions. Um, what a great idea. 
bringing yes. people who couldn't ordinarily right. get here. And then you just mentioned the foreign language. Are there cultures and languages that are also, you mentioned area, physical areas that don't have <laughs> enough health care. Right. Is the cultures and languages a barrier, too, to breast oh, yeah. cancer awareness and, and yes. care? And it, you know, I think so far we've only um, concentrated on Spanish, and I, I, I don't mean only because I think that's awesome. I think we need to expand that. Sure. We need to include Mandarin. We need to include having segments and breakout sessions for other people who um, English is not their first language. It's hard enough to understand the terminology. I was Googling words <laughs> all the time. Yeah, I bet. can't imagine not having English as my first language and understanding what the doctor's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Hey, we are going to run out of time pretty soon here, you guys. Uh, we're talking with uh, David, Richard, and Terry Palastro from Cohen Puget Sound. It's October is right around the corner. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. What are we? I mean, there's a million things I suppose we're leaving out. What What do we got to say a second time, or reinforce, or say that you know we haven't yet before we run out of time? Well, I think um, becoming aware of the um, services that Coleman has available for financial assistance. Um, be be, in, be getting involved in um, donating through the website or through the Lunch for the Cure coming up at the Hotel Murano on October 10th. Um, learning more about METS, and if you've got uh, METS disease, then going to our website and downloading some of the stuff that was talked about at the METS conference. Um, there's so much to learn. There's such a big... Um, supportive community out there that um, is waiting for people to connect to. So if you're feeling alone and feeling like you don't know enough or you want more information, um, going to the ComanPugetSound.org is a really great place to start. Terry, any last thing here before we have to I just think it that uh, it's really important for everyone to understand the importance of research. Research and good research is going to find the cure for all of our cancers. And without research, that's not going to happen. So yeah, that's well, it. Well said, and, and it's got to be funded. So thank you guys so much thank for coming you. in. We have been talking to metastatic breast cancer patient advocate Terry Palastro and executive director at Susan G. Coleman Puget Sound, David Richard, today. Thank you guys so much for coming in. Thanks to Coleman Puget Sound for all they've been doing to fight breast cancer. And David, uh, extra little thanks here today for you and all the work you've done to end breast cancer over the years at Coleman as you move on soon, I guess, huh? Yeah. Uh, hey, if you'd like to hear this interview again, it will be available on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts within a few days. Just search Spotlight with Gary Scheip. I am Gary Scheip. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.